A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. A music dance experience. Don't pervert a handbook passage to me, okay? You are listening to a Lorehounds Plus Properly Howard production. Today, Steve and I cover the season one finale of Severance. For more great coverage, check out thelorehounds.com. As you consider your holiday shopping, consider giving someone the gift, or giving yourself the gift, of Patreon membership. All right, without further ado, here is comic Steve Osborne. I was thinking before, maybe it was just, you know, sort of uh, like a recency bias thing, but on the second uh, watch, this this is one of my favorite, like, first seasons of almost anything. I was trying to figure this out because you never watch Andor, right? Right. So when I was watching Andor, I was thinking, kind of a slow start, but every episode is better than the last. And I was like, how many times can I say that about a TV series? And then it kind of had like a lull right before the climax. And I think that that's purposeful a lot of times. You want you need like a setup episode. Um, This one, I think... It's pretty clear that I am more invested every single episode. Yeah, I I would agree. Um, and uh, it, the rewatch is great because I don't I don't I don't remember how much or you don't realize necessarily how much the uh, the impact of all these like reveals that uh-huh. lead to a new question sort of take over. And so like there's certain things I for sure remember, and it's interesting what. I remembered the most versus things that I'm like, oh, I don't remember that part. That is like probably equally, if not more significant than the things that I remember. Right. But it's just about like where you get emotionally invested on first watch. Yeah. So we're covering the season finale of season one. And I think I might have been really tired when I first watched this because there was just a ton of things that I, I missed the first time around. Yeah. I I don't remember um, poor Rebecca, uh, back of her head. <laughs> her eyes are small. Her eyes are small, so she has to read close. And uh, Is that how eyes work? I guess. And, and also, you know, just please, if you see the sores in the back of my head, know that... <laughs> from my bird <laughs> well she's got it all kind of uh she's got a very specific worry she's thinking i'm gonna have to 
put my nose into this book, mm-hmm. which means that he's going to be looking at the back of my head. And I know that my bird's been back there wreaking, yeah, right. wreaking havoc. Yeah, I don't have to get a mirror to know that the, that it's it ain't great. <laughs> it's like Norv Turner's neck. <laughs> oh man, I forgot about her entirely. She's fantastic. I have to reconsider my name. <laughs> she, she, man, she just. Uh, I wouldn't say that she stole the episode because it was a very eventful well, episode, but but it was nice to have some comic relief there because it's not like Dylan was given as much. Right, right. So that's the thing is our characters are now completely like anything that we would have expected uh, comic relief from, whether it's like Irving's, you yeah. know, uh, uptight qualities or Dylan's, uh, you know, sort of irreverence, whatever it is. It's just like you don't get to get any of it. So it was really important that we do get a taste of because even Rickon doesn't offer a, a ton. I mean, he, there's still, there's certainly some well, he, hamburger, he hamburger waiter. <laughs> hamburger waiter is, is certainly amazing. Oh, man. But, but yeah, so that's kind of a, it's kind of a fun thing. Cause it is, there is so much, I mean, you are like, I'm watching this for the second time and I was still gripping. Like, like there were, I was still super tense. Like, is he ever going to see Gemma's face? <laughs> um, all right. I, I didn't know how to break up. Well, the good news episode. is now we don't have to have a spoiler-free section, right? That's if right. You're at, if, you're, if you're this far with us, then then here we are. We have not watched any episode past uh, episode <laughs> nine. That's right. So we will only spoil the first season. All right, now, yeah, we... <laughs> unless you are watching this season in reverse. Oh, yeah. So if you're watching this in the future, don't <laughs> spoil it for us. We don't know yet. I mean, we might with you then. Which is your now. Oh, man, podcasts are complicated. <laughs> I didn't know how to break up this episode, so I decided to go by character. Okay. Um, so I'll just sort of read what happens uh, pre-credits, and then we'll go character by character. Uh, Mark's Innie awakens in Devin's home and finds himself hugging Cobell. That's got to be weird, right? <laughs> right, Yeah. <laughs> How often have you hugged your bo- your boss? Boy, I'm trying to think of the last time I hugged a boss. Mm-hmm. The weird part is, I, I mean, I may have. Well, I mean, you were a male prostitute for a while. Yeah, and I mean, hugging. But see, even then, it was like, and these hugs aren't these hugs ain't free. So. <laughs> Irving wakes up uh, in his apartment, discovering his Audi's paintings. Helly wakes up at a gala and learns that she is an Egan. Uh, so I, wonderful, wonderful pre-credit scene, the split screen with the three faces all coming out of severance at the same time. Very effective. Loved. I I mean, I was, once this started, I was like, all right, let's go. (laughs) Yeah. It's about, I mean, that's the thing is, is we've talked in other, uh, forums about like great, you know, cliffhangers and just great final episodes and um or especially for a season and this is start to finish it's it's man i mean you talk about it's riveting but it doesn't and it but without i mean without gimmicks you know like Uh it's it's just but it just uh maybe we're almost gonna get something here well let's go to somebody else and then now i'm fully invested in that you know scene. even if it's like a minute (laughs) you know i'm just (laughs) 
I'm locked in. <laughs> no, no, don't leave. Don't leave. Okay, good. We're here. Wait, yeah. don't leave. No, okay, good. We're here now. <laughs> it's odd to think that I I feel equally invested in these characters now. I mean, I was almost... Right. I, I kind of t- couldn't take my eyes off Cobell just because she's such a mystery to me. Um, but in, in terms of emotional stakes, I was equally invested in uh, all of the employees' plots, at least. Yeah. All right, who do you want to do first? Do you want to do Irv, Mark, Dylan, or Heli? Um, because it all kind of happens at the same time. Right. Let's let's go Irv. Yeah. I yes. All right. Irving discovers his background in the U.S. Navy and finds a map and employee directory in the closet, which he uses to locate Bert. Irv arrives at Bert's house only to find that he has some sort of a relationship. Um, I noticed something in this plot line that I had never seen before, and I'm curious to get your take on it. Irv pulls out a piece of mail that's posted to him. It says Irving Bailiff. Did you see this address? Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, I didn't. All right. Well, care. you know that I'm curious about where this where this place is, right? Well, it's Kier. It's the town is Kier, and I was thinking, does, do we have a an estate abbreviation? The state abbreviation is PE. Oh, I didn't catch that. So that's not Pennsylvania, right? And I thought, oh, maybe it's Prince Edward Island. Nope, that's P-E-I. Then I thought, well, if there's any provinces with P-E, there is one in Australia. But the Australian zip codes are four digits. So this is a made-up place. It's a wow. made-up so made state, Steve. So that's a big that's a big reveal, right? I mean, I mean, I think we get that when we know that the town's name is Kier. I think we get the but sense it's not that... played for a big reveal. It's kind of played for like the the only way that you would notice that is if you paused and like were really looking for clues, right? Right. Um. So I mean, but that was the that was one of my big questions, and I don't I didn't think that the season answered. Well, when he the when question. he when he pulls the map for Kier, that that I think is yeah. Is is meant it, like there's a little bit of a hold on there because then you're like, okay, that's clearly not a coincidence. Yeah, but I think it's even different to me if it's like Kier, Pennsylvania, or sure. Kier, yeah, Idaho, yeah. or something. I I kind of assume that this is Pacific Northwest. Um, I don't know why. I I guess I just that's kind of how it felt to me. But it's the everyone in this world believes that they're living in some state with the abbreviations PE. So I think that this is further indication that everyone in this town is an experiment. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. And I we do get a sense of the magnitude when um uh Mr. Egan <laughs> says, you know, everyone in the world. Yeah. To be severed. So this is a big deal, right? So it's almost like you've got these microcosms. It's like these these employees were the guinea pigs, but then you've got these wider concentric circles 
And it, it seems to me like this sort of was a bubble town that was serving as a massive experiment. And if it all goes well, then they can market this globally. Right. So it's or, almost like you've, you've well, yeah, is, is Egan's world's 200 people large. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So there's that. There's, there's this other sense too that like, is this like they've created or manufactured a control group? Uh-huh. Right. Which is not truly a control group if they've manufactured it. Uh-huh. But if the idea being like, okay, let's, let's create a world where everything is, is as, as we, you know, as, as close to like the real world as possible. And then we can within that, you know, we'll still control that world. So it's truly not a controlled experiment, but like we give them the illusion of free will mm-hmm. so that people like Rickon can actually become, uh, you know, considered <laughs> intelligent. <laughs> oh, that's another interesting thing to me. Um, we're kind of skipping around here, but at one point, Devin says, Rickon has some big wig journalist friends in New York. So that indicates. So does he think he had? Does does he like, is this in his imagination or in this world, they know what New York City is and they're, is this a, is this a Truman Show situation? I I have no. I think Rickon's got um, connections to uh, the whole. uh, You think he's in on the plot? I think so. That would that would blow my mind. If that if that was true, that would blow my mind. Okay, let's talk more about Irv. Um, we learned that his name is Irving Bailiff. Do you think there's any significant to the significance to the name? Uh, I mean, it is an interesting last name, right? Yeah, and it, you know, there this this show sort of leans into allegory, so I, I don't know if this. I mean, a bailiff, a bailiff can be, you know, the judicial assistant in a courtroom, right? Right. Uh, etymologically, I looked it up, sort of the someone who's responsible for a castle, like not royalty, but the, like the, the head butler or whatever. Um, yeah. And Mark and Mark scout, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But Dylan is just Dylan George. And I wasn't sure what to do with that. I did think that Radar was an interesting name for the dog. Yeah. Um, could just be, you know, he was he worked on a submarine back in the day. And now his dog is named Radar. Maybe he was a big MASH fan back in the day. Right. Um, did you know that my dad's nickname used to be Radar? I could see that. <laughs> it was <laughs> It was a basketball nickname. Oh, I just thought it because he kind of looked like Radar. Uh, it was like he didn't have to look at the basket to to sink a hook shot, and people. Is that right? Yeah, so he got the nickname Radar. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. So I, I mean, th- this is sort of the legend of my father before. You know, this is what he, this is what he tells you. <laughs> if you ever run into anybody like an old friend that's like Radar, I'm gonna guess no. Um, he, it was actually a. Uh, a Navy trained dolphin back in the day. <laughs> All right. So yeah, let, let's talk more about Irv. What, what struck you about this reveal in Irv's life? Um, well, once again, like, even though he comes like, and I understand he's alone, 
but we don't we don't hear him speak right it's interesting that we haven't heard mm. like when we when we first got to see the audi there was like irv's character doesn't speak um until the end and uh so that was interesting well, that was interesting that he has he already has bert on the map yeah, well, he has a few different people on the map, right? But Bert is on the map, so Bert was so whatever the, whatever it is he's doing with his list, uh-huh. or uh, Bert was included. So it starts to create some questions about, um, like you know, we've talked about like, is this is there multiple episodes of Severance in for these people, right? Right. Yeah. So like the Audi, the Audis static but the any is always changing and so but like there's something so he's got some research he's doing right so like it feels like there has to be some tap in right and and maybe that's a result of the testing floor but the very fact that he is clearly his audi is connected to some degree to the uh to the any in, in the sense of his paintings right so i mean he's painting right. this image so so something whether it's subconscious or conscious is 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 happening there so he's got an interesting connection that none of the other ones seem to have well i think that there's a parallel here with mark because it seems like he's doing sort of investigative work outside of the office to Mm -hmm. try to figure out what's happening with lumen enough so that he's sort of acquired an employees list and he's mapped them out he, he only lots has, of notes, lots yeah. of notes, interesting notes, like about, you know, like same age. Are there any other 58 year olds? Yeah. And he has all these other. I was looking, I was trying to pause a bunch, trying to find any kind of. Me too. All I did was get a bunch of names and yeah. I saw, I saw Becca and I was like, hmm, I wonder if that was Rebecca. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So he, so yeah, the city's called Kerr, uh, Kier, and uh, he's got a military background. Does this mean anything to you? Uh, it may. I mean, it's uh, it it sort of explains a little bit more of his uh, obedient nature sure. as an any. Yeah. Um, and his ability I, to comply with a, a larger mission, right? Right. I'm kind of fascinated again about like so this this one, and maybe we've seen it before. And I just haven't paid attention, but this episode, of course, shows us a smartphone. Yeah, I know um, that. Yeah, yet he's using a map. That's interesting. That, yeah. that is interesting. So I thought that was really he's very like it's a, his very analog approach to this, which might suggest that he is not trusting of the technology. Right, he doesn't want people to be able to know what he's searching. Yeah, if he, if he if he if he taps into the GPS and he if he sees this as a bigger. Uh, you know, if he's if he at least under, or suspects that there's a bigger conspiracy going on, or then then uh, then yeah, the map makes sense, right? So I thought that was a little bit of a clue into how he operates. Do you do you know anyone with us without a smartphone? I don't think I do anymore. I there was there was one person recently. I can't I'm trying to remember who they were exactly, but they and they had a really they were trying to text in one of these old old style. Uh-huh. You know, like what I guess our kids would consider rotary. Um, the flip phone isn't the new yeah, rotary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and I forget the reason why. I think it was it may have been one of those off the grid things that they didn't want to be tracked as well or something. But uh, I have a colleague that doesn't do smartphones. He doesn't have a cell phone at all, and it's sort of a conscious choice. Um, but it's always a problem. 
It's always like mm. his wife is always calling someone else to find, find out where he is. <laughs> That's funny. So, um, I there's a little bit of that that I, I'm a little bit attracted to. I'm a tiny bit jealous of people who are off the grid in that way. You probably have no inclination to that at all. Uh, no, not really. I mean, I wouldn't mind. I mean, it'd be, it's just, it's one of those convenience factors that's like, if, it, if I didn't have it, it'd probably be better. I don't know how much I need to interact with some of the things. There so. have been moments, there have been sort of months of my life where I put my phone on grayscale mm. to, you know, kind of make it m- more boring to me. Uh, it works. You, you're definitely less addicted to your phone if you do that. Uh, uh, and then, then you want to play Candy Crush or something, or eight ball pool, and you need to, you need to see some colors. So, <laughs> um, anything else about Irv? He runs to the door. He yells, "Bert!" Bert's obviously coupled. Um, do you, now, I mean, I've seen television shows before. Where people mistake a brother or a cousin or a relative sure. for a lover, and they—I don't know. Do you? You're pretty certain this is a lover, right? That's the sense I got. I mean, I got the sense. I mean, I don't. Um, I because I it did seem like it was. It wasn't played in such a way that Irv was going to be less inclined to go over there because he thought he was with the lover. This is more of. He this was the he, find someone you can trust to uh-huh. go talk to, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. and this is the irony, right? I mean, he assumes he can trust this version of Bert mm-hmm. because of the only relationship that he has, and because he goes to the when he goes in or when he goes out and he goes out, the only uh, person around him is well, there's just a dog, so he doesn't readily seem to have someone that he can go and talk to or do anything with because he only he knows he has a, a short amount of time, so it's kind of like well, I only have so much time so it's is he going to talk to Bert to to reveal or is he going to talk to Bert because it's like I just want to see Bert one last time because I know my you know this clock's ticking on this so so it's an it's an interesting thing because he doesn't do a lot more yeah we talked about whether or not this is a good plan and we sort of came to the conclusion like this is a good plan for someone who is a little bit naive right right because I'm thinking if that happened to me I immediately start writing a note to myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Who you should be able to trust yourself. You should. I mean, I guess Helly can't, but right. You would imagine. But now you're in a spot where, well, if I can't, then I'm kind of screwed anyway. So. So. All right. Okay. Shall we talk about Mark? Sure. All right. Mark navigates the party, piecing together who is who. While excusing himself to find Devin, he calls Cobell by name, alerting her to the overtime contingency that has been activated. Mark learns that he underwent severance because of his wife's death, finds a photo confirming Miss Casey is actually Gemma. He rushes to tell Devin, but is only able to say she's alive. Um... Rebecca has. I here are my notes on Rebecca. Has small eyes. Mm-hmm. Has bird sores. Gonna have to change my name again. <laughs> I I hope we have, we get more Rebecca in season two. It's just such a 
such a bonkers addition. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I, I've had several next door neighbors who kind of fit into Rebecca. Yeah. <laughs> Rickon calls uh the group together by telling saying calling them dearest ones. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah. Dearest ones. Uh and then I wrote that he's got an iPhone. Um this is sort of like the backbone of the episode, right? You got Mark in a party. This like the worst possible place to come out of the severance procedure. Right. Because a party could have people that you trust, people that you don't trust. You don't know if your sister might be your wife. Uh, You don't know if the author of the book that changed your life might be your brother-in-law. So this was high drama. I love this. Mm -hmm. If you were Mark, what, I mean, we, we said, write a note to yourself, but what would you have done differently here? Um, I think I would have been a little more insistent <laughs> on getting anybody's time, like especially the sisters. I mean, um, he's right to be cautious at first. Right. He he wakes up hugging his boss, and so immediately you're thinking, oh, man, I'm in mixed company for sure here. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of remarkable that he did, uh, you know, didn't... Um, like immediately refer to her as uh, Miss Cobell, yeah. you know, because why would he, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's this, well, what is she doing here? What am, you know, where am I? Why am I you know, hugging that... my boss? <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely worth thinking about. I mean, um, immediately you got to think, how often does this happen? Is this, right. is this my entire life outside of the office? I just go home and hug my boss. <laughs> Right. Yes, yeah, so I'm trying to think what he would do differently. I mean, I know he's like, he's trying to navigate, and he's just kind of thrust in this crazy situation where, you know, he doesn't know who anybody is. And I like that, like as our baby, uh-huh. you know, and um, uh, and then he's so starstruck by Rick, and that's amazing. Like I love that <laughs> sequence to the point where Rick and waiting for his neti pot to heat up, uh, doesn't realize that you know he just assumes that he's kind of mocking him <laughs> which i mean <laughs> yeah what a Why? what a turnaround for rickon <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just like is that valid is it, it's interesting because it's like it, it's sort of validating but at the same time it's like he still is condescending uh god i just love it when he finds the baby and he immediately takes credit for it <laughs> Why? oh man he's really great um, all right, so he begins his book by saying that Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart <laughs> killed the boy with a piano? Yeah, smashed his head in a piano. And then the next line is, <laughs> my research has confirmed that this rumor is not true, as your heart rate is decreasing. <laughs> So incredible. Assuming, assuming that the that the first line of the book is going to create a gasp and a, and a <laughs> high heart rate in the reader. Oh my god, it's so good. Uh, I just need me more Rickon. I think if you're right and Rickon is nefarious, I feel like I'll be a little bit disappointed. Yeah, I kind of need. I need. I need Rickon to remain true to himself. 
You're you're a Rick and Purist. I am. I've become a Rick and Purist. Uh, so everyone at this party, do you think everyone at this party thinks that this is a good book? I think so, right? I don't think. I mean, I can't imagine that Laura thinks that this is, or not Laura, but um, Devin. I can't imagine that Devin is taken in by this. But that's quite a big. I mean, I, I've I've hosted book launches before. That's a pretty big gathering for a book launch. Most book launches are a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, no, sad. for sure. It's like you you spent the last ten years of your life for this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in, in I mean, I've it's been I, I've ha- I've had these I've I've had these, but anything more on Mark? Well, I mean, this. Uh, First off, I think it it got to talk about Adam Scott. I think he does such an incredible job. Um, I mean, you know, actors can play two characters. That's totally fine. Um, that that happens all the time and mm-hmm. multiple characters in their life. But uh, he, you know, within the the context of the show, like he really uh, like, especially because when you're navigating kind of the same uh, setting. You know, you're you're yeah. okay now. You're gonna now we're gonna do the same set. You know, same everything, same actors. Okay, now you're any Mark. You know, and mm-hmm. it's like it's just such a convincing moment, and it's uh, and you know, also credit to Ben Stiller the way he directs it. I mean, just with it's it's no mean feat that they were able to pull this off to where you do feel like two worlds collided, and it's done just almost just purely through acting. Mm-hmm. It's um, subtle, and it's subtle because it's you you really believe subtle. that this is the same person with one key difference it's it's hard it's hard to play someone i i'm exactly the same person i'm it's just like turn up the naive meter to 10 right uh it really really amazing acting yeah and i it's and it's uh it's it was it was heartbreaking, really. I mean, I think it was it really it really moved me the whole sequence and everything that you know the of all the things because you're trying to get like it, it does such a great job of making you change your um, your goals because like okay they're out like you know I, I want them to talk to Devin and I want them to I want them to say something to to help Audi Mark you know like that's kind of the the thing yeah. and then it becomes the Gemma reveal. I'm like, well, I, God, I really want him to see. Now I want him to find out that it's Miss Casey, right? Like there's all these different elements to it. And his reaction when he sees that it's, it's her, like it could have been anything, right? Like it could have had all these different types of reactions, but he has a reaction. And remember, this is the any. If he had no feelings for Miss Casey, then it would have been like, like you'd have been like what? Like it would have been jarring, mm-hmm. but you could. But there was he was overcome. It 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 seemed with like almost an understanding of what, what like there were feelings, and he and it was coming through. Like and that was that was a big moment, I think, for uh, the severance concept and at least what is what it does to the brain. Yeah. The the other thing about this is that what would he do? Like what what is to be done? As far as we know, Miss Casey's been taken to the testing floor to be what to be wiped we we have it's hard to know what the information is going to change in the motive for the character right because they still seem very very powerless and so the reveal itself is interesting um but it 
it it tells me nothing about what the plot will be going forward. The cracks of the mystery box um, are shining through, but you don't actually know what's in there. Yeah, well, and that's and that's what you end up like. So with the Mark story, so the the Irv the Irv story, you know, you know what what happens now, right? Like, so there's the other element of like, okay, it gets shut off. We see we Mark is the only one we see turn back, right? Um, and it's just a and it's just a a quick little glimpse, but it does. It's a great way to end the the episode because. Like you go on this journey, and then I oh, that's right. Now Audi Mark is like, what's just happened? Mm-hmm. And that's a fascinating moment, right? Because Audi Mark is kind of he, the last thing he was doing is he he was hugging Selvig. He was you know getting ready to explain that he's getting ready to leave Severance, and and he's about to find out a bigger reason why he should. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And what it, like what happens next? Do they tell Mark? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, because the first thing to do is run up to him and go, what do you mean she's alive? And he's going to be like, who? <laughs> so it's just like, ah, what's going on? Like, his is probably the most tenuous of like, and it never stops. Well, and you don't trust anyone else in this room. Right? Right. Because De- Devin is sort of like totally invested in finding Eleanor. Right. Like she she is a mother whose baby is mi- missing and everyone else at this party like what's the matter with them? They want people. They want Mark to settle an argument of whether or not Rickon should have introduced the baby in this setting. <laughs> what is the matter with these people? Like I don't like find someone you trust. Is there anyone in this town that can hold a a, a coherent thought in their head? They're so so creepy. <laughs> like those that party sucks. Um. All right, Helly, Helly. I did. I found the. I found your. He. What is that? Interesting. I found your child. It was me. I found your it. child. <laughs> it was me who found her. Yeah, it was me who found her. Like it's such a like that's another. It just continues. Like okay, Rickon's not like these. It it really does feel like a lot of these adults are about third grade you know they're like right. eight years old heli wakes up at a lumen gala where she learns that her audi is helena egan daughter of lumen ceo james egan who underwent severance to build public support for legalizing the procedure cobell tries to stop her before her speech but heli tells the gala She's an innie, and the Lumen is torturing and imprisoning their employees. Uh, I think I mentioned this before, but the actor who plays her father, same same actor who's doing the video game, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the consistency there, which brings more meaning to the I love you phrase, I think. Right, yeah, I think so. Not sure what to make of that, but there it is. Uh, and then we see, I thought the most interesting part of this entire plot line was that she does, she repeats the Lumen confession in the bathroom mirror. Right. What is, what is going on there? I'm not real sure about that. That's an interesting, uh, element. Like it really took me 
it kind of takes you right i mean like it's a, a I mean, I guess it shows that it's ingrained, right? It um, it does that. I think you could read it as she's apologizing to herself. She's confessing her own sins to herself in the mirror, knowing that she's done something horrible to herself. Or something. Yeah, she wasn't sincere when she had to keep repeating them for the sake of right. getting released back in, as an innie. But then saying it in that context, it's as if she's... She's atoning for her Audi mm-hmm. sins, mm-hmm. and and in that case, she means it, right? Yeah, yeah. and and uh, because it's it, yeah, it's a great it's a great tie-in. So I I found that very interesting. I think that there's multiple ways to read it. Um, I don't get the sense that the people at the part at the gala are as clueless as the people at Rickon's party. Right. No, it doesn't have that at all. In fact, this this feels very this almost I mean this is corporate, right? This feels corporate. This this feels like this is if there's any group that has a touch to an outside world or a regular world, this is it. Uh-huh. I think I'm developing something of a theory here. I think whatever the bubble is, whatever the cure town bubble is, it could be that the that there are people who come to the office because they work at corporate and they live in the bubble, but they have they they are not severed. I mean, Gabby has severed herself. It is confirmed for th- at least three pregnancies, right? Um, but her name is the same, right? Natalie's name is the same. Cobell's got a different name. Cobell's name is the same, I think, because she calls when she calls Milchek on the phone. You know, comes up as Cobell, uh-huh. and she's calling from like her outside. Phone, and it seems right? like she's been spying on Mark on her own right time. So maybe Miss Selvig is just sort of an alter ego that she came up with for herself. Yeah, as opposed to from like yeah. So so. Yeah, I mean, and and Heli R, obviously, she's got a different name, but that's right. Cool. I mean, of all of these characters, she's the one that I guess does the most damage on the outside. But she, it's not like she's confessing to someone she trusts. She just a, a sort of outs the imprisonment to the world. It, uh, well, she does exactly what she set out to do as an any. And that is to uh, destroy her Audi. To destroy her Audi. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good. So did any of these people accomplish what they were what they set out to accomplish? Um well that's the whole thing is like we talked about is the plan good? Like, well, what are you trying to accomplish? Like, are you trying to find see- they gotta find someone who they trust and then tell them everything about what's happening and I, no I don't think any of that happens. Mark Well, doesn't. we don't we, we don't know what Mark said to Devin. Oh. that's that's the biggest uh so we assume that there's more information there but we don't know like that's, that's a lot of information to give right that's true um but i mean there wasn't a ton of time so that happens but off she, screen but but we yeah, should so that imagine also, that mark it was able to tell Devin some key bits of information so that'll be a, so so Devin's a key component because right now Devin is the only person that knows what we assume what what the whole point mm-hmm. and mission was mm-hmm. of this um so so yeah so the so mark mark i think is the closest thing to um 
getting the information out there. I mean, obviously Heliar does as well, but is this live? You know, I mean, this is, I mean, and do the, does her audience, will her audience care? Well, and you get the sense that um, like, it's not just corporate lackeys there. Like there's a politician there, right? Yeah. This is, this is there. This is a supposed to be a big step into convincing people to embrace this process. But in my experience, these are people, if, if you show up to the dinner and you're eating the food, you're pretty sympathetic to what's going to happen, right? Yeah. You're you're there because you are supportive of people with money making more money. So, and in addition to that, when Mark is talking with Devin, he says, shouldn't we go to the police? And she said, eh, Lumen's... She has, a, yeah, so she has a pretty good sense that Lumen is, is a big deal. Like, Lumen might control of... the police. I'm not sure if you can trust the police. I mean, that she doesn't say that in so many words, but, like... She said there's so many hands. Yeah, fingers in, and in pies. pies. <laughs> it's like, you, under, you understand metaphors? Yeah, hands, pies. <laughs> Which... <laughs> Which I thought was kind of an, was a, was a, a fun moment, because um, I think it was nice to see uh, Devin's... Uh, interaction with with any mark uh-huh. right like i mean she sees him as her brother but she sees him as a, a part of her brother she's never met right i right. mean that's yeah, yeah that's i mean there's so the thing is this all of this is so rich and and you know you, we, yeah like you said you talk about the more that gets revealed the more questions we have and like that the tension in all of these sequences marks especially because mark is actually making a connection with somebody close to him uh nobody else is so Mark's innie gets the most FaceTime with with people that mm. um that he cares about, at least the closest thing, at least with Devin. Um but I mean you know, Heli Heli R is on a on a mission at this point. Once she once she comes once she gets the realization, like, oh my gosh, I did this. I'm responsible for all of this, she doesn't lose that sense of of this rebellion and this uh, you know, sort of burn it down mentality. Uh-huh. Well, she was shaky at first. I think that there was also something about um, the the photograph display that mm-hmm. maybe a comment on sort of social media curation. Yeah, you know, she's miserable down there. However, every picture shows her being happy yeah, and having a good time with her coworkers. You know, she smiled ten times, and they've got a photo of every single time she smiled. And exactly. Now she looks like she loves her job. Yeah, I thought that was I mean, there was a lot of really cool stuff that they did there. I love I love that she comes out in between like her face is severed when <laughs> during when uh-huh. she makes her gets ready to do her presentation yeah. and um just a lot of really fun stuff there. And it was just uh but it just again, so now we have that, like so the way we go with Mark, like when everyone's like, Who's alive? and he's like, Huh? Because <laughs> his Audi's back. Um, and then you get the on the and then you have Helly, who's just got tackled, she has no idea why she got tackled or like taken off, and uh, and how do you fix that, right? I mean, like how do like that's the big thing is like what happens next? What happens next there? How do they spin that? I mean, even if it's because you can't say, oh, well, it's, it's just a byproduct of the procedure that she had this issue. It's like, okay, well, that doesn't sound good for the process either. All right, it's a question that we've asked a million times, and I still don't think we have an answer for it. But why does Cobell care? Right. She's, like she hasn't she's been she just fired. Got fired. She seems to want Mark to quit Lumen. 
Uh, she seems to want to prove that you can reverse severance and that it's possible. Uh, and yet she really, really, really doesn't want Heli to reveal anything. Yeah, so that's the part that's really interesting, too, because, like, if we're to believe that she was genuinely excited that Mark was going to quit and she was genuinely excited uh, or she was trying to prove that, uh, that you know, you could, reintegration is real. Uh, not that this is reintegration. This is obviously a different uh, mm -hmm. uh, procedure or, or process that she could. Um, you would think she'd be interested in hanging around Mark once that information, once she made that realization, right? Like there's would be something to glean from that well um, she's been fired why is she why is she hell-bent on helping the company or is it that she thinks maybe you know maybe she's been working on taking down lumen for 10 years and these dummies who just figured everything out are, are about to ruin it sort of unwittingly ruin all of the plans she has or maybe this has happened before, and then they have to reset everything, and she has to go back from the beginning. <laughs> right. Huh. I mean, she's definitely passionate about it, and she definitely she doesn't, and she goes to Heli, not anybody else. She's a known commodity there. Uh -huh. And she wants um, to get a hold of, desperately get a hold of Milchek, because he can stop it. So she can stop it. So all right. Anyway, again. The I think Cobell represents the biggest mystery of the show, and I don't know if we have any answers. Um, so I, I do hope that they build her out a bit more in season two. Finally, Dylan struggles to hold the overtime switches while Milchik tempts him with a Lumen coffee cozy. Finally, Milchik breaks through and stops the Innie's plan. Sort of an arbitrary way to be, you know, sort of to create tension. Like this guy doesn't quite have the wingspan to hold this for very long. Mm -hmm. But it worked. It, it totally worked. I don't know. Yeah. Now, now it's not like a ticking time bomb, but now I know that this can't go on indefinitely. Right. And it's such a, and so I'm thinking about Dylan in every scene, even when he's not in it. Because uh -huh. <laughs> I'm like, man, you are just. You are good thing Dylan's been through all these muscle shows. Uh tempts him with the coffee cozy, tempts him with Man. Uh it was paintball. Paintball. And then the ultimate temptation. I mean, of course, all that pales in comparison to I, I wanna know I wanna remember my child being born. And then of course the ultimate I mean, this is like satanic. You actually have three kids. Yeah, and I can tell you about them. Uh, man, Milchik is just pure uh, that, evil. Uh, that, pure evil. That sequence, uh, the the Dylan character. What I mean, what a transformation too. Because like I was so moved, and he had so little dialogue in this. But like his screams at at Milchik, <laughs> and it's like it's like so like moving. And he's still kind of Mister Milchik too. I know, but but in a way that's way different, you know, because it's like, but it, that brings back to sort of the childlike nature, right? Like, I mean, if you were going to tell off your principal for once and for all, you don't probably even know his first name. <laughs> uh, man, what a, what a wonderful finale. Just, yeah, just I, you know, like I said, 
strap into the beginning and it's just the there's just tension 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 and you get to the this final scene and it's like everything is going to come to a head but at the same time you could totally see things going back to normal mm-hmm. you know everyone it could be that people just laugh at heli you know not take her seriously it could be that no one at that stupid party even understand what mark's trying to say it could be that Irv gets to the door yelling Bert, and then, you know, the two have no recognition of each other. So Right, so, so that's the thing, too, is that Irv is in a real weird spot, because he is not going to know why or how he got there. Uh-huh. He's just going to go from painting to being outside of a stranger's house. Right. So, so he's in a spot where he could think he had, like, an episode, right? Um That'd be terrifying if you just all of a sudden woke up across town uh-huh. at a stranger's uh-huh. house. Uh, so that's so Irv's in a real weird spot. I mean, at least Irv um, will know something like he should know if he knows. I mean, I don't know if he's ever been there, but at least he's got a map, right? You know, yeah. I think it's at some point. I think and with with Bert's name, so he must know who Bert is to at least at least on paper, right? Uh huh. It was just amazing to watch and realize how much I'd forgotten. Oh, yeah. I feel like I feel like it was an entirely different episode uh second yeah. second time through. Is it the Franco the beans?